This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Lies, the one and only show on the internet where we dare to talk about things like pop culture, movies, television, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, Lovecraft Country, Avatar The Last Airbender, Star Wars, Star Trek, etc. and so forth. I am Dan Selke, the editor of WinnersComing.net, and I am here with Mia Johnson of Fansheaded.com. And this week, oh, sorry, yes. You were saying, Mia, you were saying hello? I was saying hello. <laughs> Yay! And this week, um, a special guest, Amanda Mullen, an um, occasional WIC writer. Amanda, what else do you do around... Uh, uh, around the fans at a network. Uh, so I am a site expert for our culture S segment. And then as Dan already mentioned, I write for winter is coming pretty often. So good mixture of both. Exactly. And I wanted to have you on this week because there's been a lot of buzz lately about a show that I really love when I first saw it, like a, a bunch of years back, Avatar, the last airbender, which was this kind of epic three season animated show on Nickelodeon. Um, high fantasy, East Asian inspired, perfectly paced, really, really good series that is getting a Netflix remake that is being um, kind of a, a huge revival right now because it was put on Netflix. And I was all prepared today to talk to you about why we think it's endured so much, why we enjoy it, what we're looking forward to. And then... Literally earlier today, something close to a disaster struck when uh, Michael Dante DiMartino, the creator of the show, wrote an open letter to fans saying, hey guys, bad news, me and the other creator, Brian Kometsko, sorry if I said that name wrong, are leaving the Netflix show, we're not going to be involved in it, we had creative differences, our visions don't match, I think there was one line was like, maybe it'll be good, but it won't be what we thought it was going to be. Ooh. <laughs> and I, I know, right? It's the ultimate like kind of subtle shade. And I think we have to start with that now. We we, we can't start positive. We have to start with the Avatar, <laughs> Last Airbender creators were going to make this great new live action Netflix show. And now they've both walked away from it and kind of disowned it on their way out. Amanda, what was your reaction to this news when you read it today? Oh my god, I mean, I think I jumped you back and was like, no, why? But um, I'm just so disappointed, and especially, I think it would be one thing if it was like, oh hey, this is because of COVID, or this is because we have other projects, but like you said, there's like the subtle shade of, this isn't what we wanted to do, so uh, I have to uh-huh. wonder, what was it Netflix on board with, you know, and what are we getting then? I know. And it's just, it was so baffling to me. By the way, let's break quickly to say hello to everybody in the chat. Hey, for watching. Hey, Julie, good to see you. Hey, Christian, everybody else. Feel free to share us your comments. And if you want to, go review Take the Black Live on iTunes. Give it 20 million stars, many as possible. Um, yeah, it was so weird because this show has been getting press lately 
because since it got on Netflix, it's like broken viewership records. It has like found this whole new kind of wave of younger fans who didn't watch it when it was on in like the 2000s and who are now coming for the first time. And they're like writing Avatar Last Airbender musicals in their spare time on TikTok. They're like making all this new fan art. Like they they don't only have new fans, they have passionate new fans, which is so key. And I was like, oh, this, this is perfect timing. They're making a remake. They're getting these new people. It's perfect. And then along comes this announcement, which is definitely has the undertone of we're not involved in it. And it's Netflix's fault for trying to um, horn in on our vision. And yeah, I, 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 I do wonder what it was. My first thought was back to the M. Night Shyamalan movie mm-hmm. he made in 2010, I, I want to say 10, um, which was a live action movie that just got reamed by the press and fans for casting white actors in Asian roles, for casting bad white actors in Asian roles, um, <laughs> for having terrible special effects, for just being bad all around. Like, I wondered if there was that kind of wrong-headed decision. Mm. Like, maybe... I mean, I feel like, how could they do that after seeing the reaction to the movie? I mean, that yeah. people were quiet about how they felt about that movie, so I feel like if it's something like that, then Netflix is kind of just asking for trouble. But also, I feel like Netflix isn't the type to whitewash its content or... Yeah, I wouldn't think so. You know, ex- exclude people from its television series so i don't i don't know that wasn't really what i had thought but like you said i mean it's built so much popularity and this is a completed series where they kind of knew what they were getting into so i can't imagine what else it could be i mean maybe the creators had like some kind of crazy new vision they wanted to do like (laughs) (laughs) what if it's the last airbender but it's set on mars this time something like really bizarre and like it's the the fact is like we don't really have the details right and i certainly hope someone comes forward and starts talking because i am burning with curiosity yeah Um, i want i was gonna ask do you know if the original creators were attached to the film that came out no okay so they weren't attached to that so it kind of feels like they, they had finally their opportunity to make their passion project, but it's kind of like Netflix has more say over it than them, which I feel really bad for. Like if they have to, uh, unless like Dan said, they had, you know, some sort of grand idea where they're going to take it and make it who knows what, but it's kind of sad to hear. <laughs> it's definitely sad uh, to hear. And kind of strange. Cause like I said, it's not like game of Thrones where, you know, nobody knew what the ending was when this started yeah. and they were, like, oh, here's this crazy idea. Like, if they're just sticking to the original content, which you would think the original creators would want to do, then what was there a question about? I don't know. It seems so odd because as far as, like, TV shows go, Mia, I know that you've, like, watched a little bit of Last Airbender here and there, but to to me, it's, like, it's fairly close to being a perfect show just mm-hmm. because it's all of a piece the pacing is great. It never really gets, like, a, it, it doesn't have any, like, deep valleys or anything. It builds the entire way. The characters are charming. The world is inventive. Like, you, 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 you which was going to be, like, my, my positive spin on why is it endured so long? Because it's just kind of that good. And it has kind of these, um, I think, messages that resonate pretty well for our time. It's very anti-authoritarian. It's very kind of pro-empathy, which I think has connected to a lot of people who are watching it now. Um, 
it's richly written, it's well written. It, it just seemed like a can't miss proposition. So this is definitely just sad to hear. Amanda, what what drew you to Avatar: The Last Airbender before you got this disastrous, horrible news? Oh, I mean, when I was in school, it just it you know the humor is so such a big part of the show and. Um, just watching it as a kid, it's hilarious. There are great characters. Like you mentioned, the world building and the magic system is so intricate and amazing. But I think I recently rewatched it like a couple months ago, and I just think that it's, like you said, so relevant to some of the issues that we're facing in society today. And it's so anti authoritarian. And even the jokes that I would have just written off as silly or ridiculous as a kid, it's like they're so relevant and so clever and I there were so many things that rewatching it I noticed and was actually really surprised to see held up over this amount of time so I think that's why so many people are coming back to it yeah it has this great mix of like it, it does have a, a serious message and deals with like serious things but it, 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 it remains a pretty light hearted easy watch the whole way through yeah. I mean one of the things that the, the older movie did horribly was like take out all of the humor, just like have this straight face and like Shyamalan seriousness was one of the many, many problems with that movie. I wonder if it was something like that with Netflix. I don't know. Again, we have no idea. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling so many feelings about it. Um, I think tomorrow or Friday, Netflix is getting the... Avatar Last Airbender sequel show The Legend of Korra, which came a few years later, and it famously also kind of underwent um, studio meddling with, with, with Nickelodeon at the time. I mean, have you seen that show? Yeah. Um, I actually just recently watched Korra for the first time after my rewatch of The Last Airbender, and mm-hmm. I think that it stands up to it. Um, I will agree that it's the lesser series of the two in terms sure. of storytelling, but I think it gets a lot of hate unnecessarily. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was one of those things, like, back in the day, Mia, um, I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with The Legend of Korra. Oh, yeah, I know about The Legend of Korra, for sure. I feel like that, when did that come out, though? Because it was, like, a couple years... Like, it was, like, 2010s, like, the kind okay, of... Okay, because I felt bit. like I was, like, I knew... Because, like, I was generally aware of when Avatar came out and I was a kid. And, again, I for no, I really don't know why I never, like, tuned into it. Like, it definitely seems like it was up my alley. Um, and then when Korra came out, I, that's probably when I was, like, in high school. And I was kind of, like, going away from cartoons anyway. Sure, sure. It was like, yeah, I don't really. If I never watched Avatar, then I'll need to watch Korra. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, it, it was one of those famous backlash shows. Like, while it was happening... Like, there were fans who didn't like that it was different from The Last Airbender. And then there were, like, the contingent of people that, like, it's about a girl. That's not cool. Um, which is a whole nope. other kind of... Which yeah. which happens occasionally. Um, but I agree with you, Amanda, that it is a good show. I don't think it's, like, as coherent as the first one. Like, kind of throughout the whole thing. And, and there is a legacy with that show of the network kind of meddling and not let them do what they do. Which apparently is just these guys' lot in life. They just can't get their vision on the screen as they picture it. But it's a good series and a great compliment to the show. And I just regret that now some of the enthusiasm has been taken out of the last Airbender Korra bubble right at the time when it could be being kicked into overdrive. Yeah. I don't even have anything else to add to that. It's just so upsetting, honestly. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, hopefully, maybe some people will discover Korra for the first time on Netflix, and that'll kind of keep the train going, but I don't think the live action right now is getting quite the hype that no. it could be. I mean, they're right. I guess it could be good. I, I just love that line from Martinez. like, it could be good, but it won't be our vision. I'm like, oh, just damn it with yeah. faint praise. I mean, it, I, I just thought of this kind of a final thought. I almost think that, like, because The Last Airbender is such a good, coherent series, I almost think, like, Korra might be a better one to adapt as live action. Like, the characters are older. It's got more kind of mature themes, whatever that means. There's, like, less wacky anime-type comedy. And it's not as yeah. good. So, like, it's an opportunity to kind of fix what a couple of things that went yeah. wrong, maybe. Yeah, it's also more modern. I feel like they do a yeah. lot more with technology in that show, so it would be less about the bending, because I feel like stuff like bending and those kinds of magic systems are so hard to translate to live action anyway. Like, yeah. how do you just have people shooting fire out of their fists in live action without a giant budget? Well, if you're M. Night Shyamalan, you have the Earthbenders do a dance together, and have them punch in one direction, and have, like, a rock the size of my fist, like, fly a quarter of a mile across the screen, endangering everybody who can't step away in the next five minutes. Um, that didn't work. And I, I am curious to see how, how, how they do that part of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the bottom line is this is lame and it's bad. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And now my, uh, how, how, how ratcheted down is your enthusiasm after this news? A lot. I feel like it doesn't help that, um, like you said, we've have, we've had this adaptation already where it's terrible and everybody was disappointed. And then like you have a second go and it seems like it might get screwed up again. I feel like it's bad enough the first time. Usually the second time, they're kind of more on board to get things right. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I guess silver lining, if it's terrible again, at least the base show is still really, really good and stands up by itself. <laughs> any and other... it's on Netflix. We can watch it. It is, yeah. Everybody has Netflix, Streaming Wars. Um, any other final thoughts, Amanda or Mia, on this? I'm just going to go ahead and call it debacle. <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, is the Avatar fandom going to solidify uh, themselves into this space where it's like they can't catch a break? Like, I can't really think of any other fandoms perhaps that have had it. Maybe, like, there's some stuff in Star Wars where it's like it was really, really good. And then it was say. like after the prequels, you know, just constant disappointment. Not everywhere, but <laughs> I was like, Happy my fingers years. are crossed for you all <laughs> that maybe that I'm, I'm holding out hope that maybe Netflix can uh, Netflix can pull some magic. Yeah. We'll yeah. I mean, it's Netflix. So if anybody could do it, I feel like they could maybe pull through, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Pull. I'll hope for the best and, um, just stop being as excited about it and see what happens. <laughs> all right, Amanda. Well, thanks for coming by. Take the black live. Thank you. Come Thank back anytime. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you tomorrow, and hopefully we'll have you back on here to discuss something a little uh, cheerier sometime. <laughs> yeah, I'll enjoy the rest of the show, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. Cool. And we are transitioning. All right. Um, up next, Mia and I have both watched the first five episodes of Lovecraft Country, the hot new horror show on HBO. We're going to talk about it for you. 
But first, I thought we would take a little bit of a detour into um, the new 2021 A Song of Ice and Fire calendar being put out from, I believe, Penguin, available now. And Mia, I I wanted to highlight this for a couple of reasons. First, it's really, really pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you're seeing some pictures. You know, we got every year... um, George R. R. Martin and company like find an artist to create different images from a song of ice and fire, not from uh, Game of Thrones to, to be part of this kind of really elaborate calendar. And every year it's always really, really cool. I mean, the books may not be coming out, but these things are coming out like clockwork. <laughs> and there are just some really, really gorgeous images here. Um, and this year it's by Sam Hogg, an artist named Sam Hogg. Um, we got pictures like well, I'll, I'll let them scroll across the screen. There we go. Yeah. That's uh, Theon and Jane Poole at Winterfell. Oh, the very goodness. Ramsay Bolton. Very, very pretty. We also got, I personally like the one of, uh, <laughs> that's young Cersei Lannister talking to um, Maggie the Frog, the old witch oh. woman who tells her <laughs> that she will be toppled one day. I love Cersei's face at any time. It always looks so haughty. Like, you yeah. can't tell her anything. And finally, this classic image of Daenerys torching the hell out of uh, Astapor. Oh my gosh. And claiming her unslayed army. They're always nice. They're always good. It's available now. And you know, Mia, <gasps> this what? month, we we might just be giving away one of these calendars at the Wick Club, which is a kind of members-only club where you get extra, uh, extra articles, extra videos, and a monthly prize, and I think this way we're gonna this month we're gonna give away the 2021 Song of Ice and Fire calendar. Oh my gosh. I know. Can you even contain your enthusiasm? <laughs> I'm such a big like art person, um, and these just alone, like just to have these as a print to me, they're so beautiful. Like I'm looking back at them now, I'm like, oh my gosh! If only I, if only I had like an ounce of this amount of talent in me. Um, I actually, I bought an Apple pencil and like an app to draw on my iPad. I'm like, I, my, my skill level is nowhere near this. This is really exciting. I think my favorite is that Daenerys. That's just like something to have. Like you might, whatever month that is, you might not even want to change the date after that. Just have it on your wall, like for the whole year. <laughs> and there are nine others too. Yeah. As well as like, especially like two page spread. Uh, that's just, uh, some romance of the dragon, like a, a dragon fight. So yeah, always really pretty. Sam Hogg is great. She's an illustrator from way back. She has a lot of really cool work. And um, yeah, if you join the Wick Club, you just may get a chance to win the calendar in a giveaway. So feel free to consider it. And in the meantime, Mia, you and I are going to talk about uh, Lovecraft Country, a new show coming to HBO this Sunday, I believe. Yes, so. Fine. We both watched the first five episodes because they gave us screeners. Thank you, HBO. Um, let's just dive right in. What did you think? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, wow. <laughs> it's it's another one of those HBO home runs. It's like they really kind of consistently back-to-back been having some really great series. And this one is no exception. Um, man, I, just, I love all the different facets about it. It's like, you know, you've got it from Jordan Peele, so you can expect some of his flair in it. Um, a little bit of Bad Robot. Um, and, you know, it's adapted from a novel. So you've got all these elements coming in from the novel at play. And on top of all that, it's like horror. Like, 
I may have told you all this before, or I'm losing my mind now between my other podcasts. I was expecting it to be kind of like the outsider where it's like the, the horror is kind of low key. It's downplayed. It's like, no, they will, they're going to make sure you are scared out of your mind, like from the get go. So I was really like just impressed by the whole thing. Like, the show does a ton of different kinds of horror, too. Yeah. Like, and it, it goes there. Like, there's, there's like, like, Lovecraftian horror is all about, like, the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And they do that. There's also, like, straight up David Cronenberg disgusting body horror later yeah. in the season. Like, that fifth episode... With the with the I'm not I'm not gonna spoil yeah, it. Yeah, no, oh yeah, like, that's a that's a great one. The body horror stuff. I was like, oh, like I was recording from the screen. It was it was yeah. it was an HBO only kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then there's a really cool ghost story in there. It's more spooky. Like it, it's very varied. And yeah. um, what about? But the 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 thing that's interesting about the show is that it, you're right. It, it's not subtle. I and I think that's like a. A good thing, and it could be a bad thing if you look at it one way. Like, it's not like The Outsider, where this is like a low key um, story about people who brush against the supernatural and have to reconcile it. It is like full bore, first episode, monsters in the night, like um, hell beasties tearing you apart. Um, not, not subtle with the horror element, but it yeah. does tie in, I mean, to some really serious topics yeah like so the the show is set um in the 1950s kind of the the jim crow era and revolves around three characters all african-americans um who are looking for the main character's missing father Mm -hmm. and it's basically like it starts out anyway it's like a road trip movie and they don't pull any punches at all with the depictions of the racism of that time and like and again, not spoiling stuff, but, like, they don't make it, like, oh, like, in the 50s, the South was a bad place to be. Like, no, they're in the North, and it's terrifying, like, the racism. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. what do you think of, of, of that side of the, of, the, of the show? Yeah, it's really, um, and today, oh, my gosh, I went through a long bout of interviews uh, with the uh. entire cast, full cast, including the uh, showrunner, creator Misha Green. Um, and pretty much it was unanimous with everyone. Like, of course, this was meant to be front and center for a reason. Um, and that this also has many sides to it, but it, it kind of all goes back to H.P. Lovecraft himself, who has, you know, had uh, very racist ideas. He didn't he didn't shy away from his feelings about, you know, black people, basically, or, or um, you know, other races. Um, and in a way, it's kind of like everyone was kind of happy to transform his works and to be like, you know, now we've got the power in our hands to, to show them what we can do to show them, um, you know, how we can make things great. All that to say though, like touching on the racism specifically in the show and those themes, um, it really is kind of like in your face as a way to say, Hey, like, you know, this may seem scary, this may seem like over the top or contrived, but it's really not. You know, you've got mentions of like the first episode is called Sundown, mention of Sundown Towns, mentions of, um, you know, not being able to, you know, or being the first black person in an all white neighborhood and just facing those kinds of things. It's like these are 
real yesterday. They were real way back when they were real today. Um, and so it, it really just kind of puts it out there. And I think for the audiences who watch it, they're like, you know, if you can relate to it, it's going to be like, wow, this is amazing that <laughs> how have we not progressed <laughs> since the 1950s for everyone watching it. It's kind of like, it's, it's really just an eye opener. So I know that's a long answer. Oh no, but it, we're, we're all about that. Yeah. It's like, this show is really kind of packed deep in this kind of multi-layer, just symbolism and themes and all that. <laughs> yeah. Like watching it for me, like, again, like as a, a, not, not just a white guy, but like, uh, among the whitest guys you'll, you'll probably ever meet. Um, like it was, just, it was just interesting to me to like see like it's completely point of view w- with the black characters. Yeah. Like well, one thing I noticed was like so it's like timely is a word I think will probably get applied to this show a lot because obviously it's coming on the heels of the George Floyd protests and the person in the streets, and it, it was interesting to me that like the police in this show, like. I feel like in a different show made like only like five years ago, there would be like a good police character or something mm. who was like trying to like, like get rid of these kind of bad apples in the police department and like try to restore it. But like, no, the police are just this like figuratively and literally demonic force that are just out yeah. to harass the main characters. And th- there's again, like, not a ton of big splashy shows like this are told with this kind of point of view. And it mm-hmm. was for me like a bit of a bracing, like, Whoa, I, I haven't seen something like this before. I mean, frankly, like the horror parts were more familiar and almost comforting mm. to watch <laughs> than those other parts that are yeah. like, I, I think more of like the point of what they're trying to get at. Yeah. And I have to kind of, I guess, commend, you know, the people in the background who have, you know, okayed the script and who have okayed, you know, getting all this stuff on screen. Because kind of like you said with the police, it made me think. I was like, well, you know, black people have always had a complicated relationship with the police. Like, you know, someone, Journey Smollett had mentioned how, you know, when she was living in the 90s about, you know, the whole Rodney King incident. um, And how she was protesting with that. So it's like, you know, this hasn't gone away for black people. But I think when you're looking at a media landscape specifically, um, there's obviously more openness to showing these things and to showing the reality of these situations. So it's like, yeah, maybe five years ago, somebody would have been like, you know, in the boardroom, well, we have to, you know, appease the people. So we have to have one good apple. We have to have one, you know, good, you know, white savior sort of person. (laughs) I mean, like, and again, like, remember, like, this show was made, like, a, a couple years back, like, before this kind of, like, exploded, in, or, or, like, the, the most recent protest kind of got a ton of coverage. Right. So it feels like HBO's a bit ahead of the curve here, which is always what they've sort of done. So it's, um, I, I'm glad to see that. And again, like, I, we're talking serious stuff here, but the show, I mean, like, it is also fun. Oh, yeah. Like, there's... Yeah. There's a lot of different tones, a lot of different kinds of horrors. There's one episode that like reminded me of Indiana Jones a lot, where they're like, <laughs> yeah. y- 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 you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. And they're like kind of rooting through, looking for a, yeah. a, like like a thing. Like, I was consistently surprised with where it went. By the way, do not trust. Um, I-, I won't say anything, but like the trailers and the synopses. Like, if you just if if, if I just believe that. I uh, 
the show would be it goes places I didn't think it would yeah. based on what you've just been told based on the the, the, the trailer and the synopses. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, 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 it it has not yet stopped surprising me. I think the trailer is like only like one tiny speck uh-huh. of what the show is in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, for sure. It's it's a really kind of thrilling show. You've got funny moments, you know, where it kind of lightens up here or there where you're laughing or you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> like it, it it it's a it's a ball of emotions, I guess. So yeah, it's it's not gonna be horror back to back or back or you know, blunt racism back to back to back. They they do give you moments to breathe. Um, yeah. So I would say the pacing is, you know, generally pretty good. I think I watched every single episode in the dark at, you know, late at oh. night. So that was my fault. <laughs> Mia, <laughs> like, what are you doing? If you watch it when it airs, you know, nine or 10 o'clock, then you should be fine. <laughs> yeah, I totally had the light on when I watched it. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't about to do that. I've made that mistake before. Um, I, I watched like this is a, this is a really quick story. I watched like the Twin Peaks in the dark, like an episode where it was really scary, and I like yeah. still have nightmares. Um, Julie says, "Oh, scary, awesome." I agree. Christian Hannah says, "This sounds good. Can't wait." Yeah, I think it's pretty exciting. Like uh, the, uh, the prospect of uh, the of the splash it might make. So I'm definitely looking forward to how people respond this Sunday when it airs on HBO. I don't know what time eight, nine, seven, somewhere around there. The old, the old Westworld time. I was like, okay, I'm back on my Westworld shift. <laughs> Before we go, do, do you have anything else to say about uh, Lovecraft Country? Any other comments? Oh, well, of course. I will plug oh, again yeah. our podcast, Lovecraft Country Chronicles. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, all those places. We've finally penciled in Dan as a guest for um, not this I guess it would be for whenever episode three airs, we're going to discuss that and he's going to be on. So uh, if you, as you can see, I had a lot to say and not enough time to say it. So there on the podcast, we've uh, got um, someone else from our network, Natalie Zamora. She's an awesome co-host. We have two episodes in the can already. So, um, you know, whenever you're invested in the podcast or in the show, go listen to the podcast and we'll have tons and tons of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I also want to say before we go, um, I think what the the show is replacing the time slot is Perry Mason, which just ended its final episode. And I just will, I just want to say um, that show was really good. That show was really well acted. That show was really um, well made, well paced, good performances, good writing, a story that also kept me guessing. Subtle, uh, beautiful, thirty setting. It just got renewed, and um, I'm in. I was like slow to kind of adopt that one, but yeah. now now that the first season is complete, I can recommend it. It's like a good, solid detective yarn that um, took sort of a, a, a campy old series, Perry Mason, and did <laughs> end up updating it in a way that doesn't um, that made it feel more relevant to today. Got it. Like Perry Mason, the famous um, kind of. Perry Mason moment from the old show is when he's such a good lawyer that the person he's grilling confesses on the stand. He's like, I did it. I <laughs> killed him. It was me. Which is ridiculous. Never ever happens in real life. So I was like, how are they going to pull that off in the show? And the answer is like, they didn't. Like, 
they hung a thing on it. Like, no one confesses on the stand. No one does yeah. confess on the stand. It's a little more realistic down to earth. But I liked it. Julie couldn't get into it. But I ended up liking it. I guess I just mm. uh, spent enough time with it that I got Perry Mason Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> I'm all in for a second season. Ooh. That's exciting. Um, what network is Christian asks, is it on? Uh, Lovecraft is on HBO. If you're talking about Perry Mason, also on HBO. So, <laughs> Avatar: The Last Airbender on Netflix, Netflix. as is the. <laughs> I'm just gonna assume it's terrible live action remake, even though it'll be out for years. I mean, anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, no, you know, I was excited that they uh, video game really quick. They released uh, Marvel's Avengers video game, so I've been <laughs> looking beta, at yeah. some let's play that the beta. Um, so it's like I hadn't like really watched anything outside of Lovecraft. So it was kind of nice to see like I got a, a little bit of taste of Marvel this weekend. Thank so that's God. what's been going on. Yeah. Julie so like, says, Julie says that bring, bring back Raymond Burr. Is he alive? No, he is dead. <laughs> Raymond Burr died in 93. So I'm afraid he cannot come back. But, you know, <laughs> the miracle of technology. If Tupac can go on tour, I don't see why Raymond Burr can't find another very oh, yeah. movie. Cold um, Carrie so, Fisher. <laughs> like, oh, no, don't be disrespectful. Um, so maybe we'll see what happens. Otherwise, yeah, some good TV coming out, even though it's missed the pandemic. And um, if you want to hear us blather in podcast form, we are available. iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available. If you haven't rated us um, five stars or, you know, four if you absolutely have to, um, feel free to go over to iTunes and do so. And otherwise, we'll be back next week for more discussion. And the Wit Club link is up there. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.